Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. A California startup, Sonus, has technology that transforms accented English into something more associated with white Americans. The creators say they want to help overseas call center workers dealing with racist harassment triggered by their accents. But does this only perpetuate the problems the technology wants to address? This hour, we'll look at the realities of being a call center worker, the intolerance for accented speech, and what it means to use your quote-unquote white voice. Join us. I'm Mina Kim. Welcome to Forum. A Silicon Valley startup has developed technology to make call center workers sound more like someone you might think of as white American. The company is called Sonus, and here's an example of what they do. Hi, this is Alex from the Customer Service Aid. How are you today? Great to hear. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. So how can I help you today? Here's how they'd sound with Sonus technology. Hi, this is Alex from the Customer Service Aid. How are you today? Great to hear. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. So how can I help you today? Nasana says its technology is, quote, creating a more connected, friendly, and empathetic world by revolutionizing how we communicate. So listeners, what do you think? Do you agree? Have you worked at a call center? Anything this brings up for you? You can tell us on forum social channels or by calling 866-733-6786. And joining me now is the co-founder of Sanus, Sherith Kasheva Narayana. Thanks so much for being with us, Sherith. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I understand you worked at a call center yourself in Bangalore. I assume that played a role in creating the software? Yeah, it did. I think there are certain instances in your life which actually stays with you for a long time. Uh, when I, I, was, I was 18 when I actually started working in a call center. Uh, I was studying my engineering and also trying to work at nights uh, to kind of earn my bread. Uh, and the first thing that I, uh, and, and I'm, I'm born and raised in India, so the first experience for me of joining a call center was going through an accent neutralization training. Uh, for four weeks, we were taught to roll our R's, bite our T's, uh, and then day one on the job, uh, they told me that, hey, uh, you, should, uh, you should call yourself Nathan because it's more relatable and understandable. I think for a lot of yeah, people, it might be okay. But for me, it kind of honestly hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, why should I change my name? Right? For me, it was almost like uh, somebody asking me to change my religion. Uh, and, and that kind of hit me pretty hard. And I started thinking, 
about this and it took me a while uh, but then um, i think when i came across a research paper of um, uh, how accents can be converted in real time uh, that whole experience came back and then i started working with my team on it uh, and then yeah it took us two years to get to where we are today and and today we've built the world's first real time speech synthesis algorithm which can essentially change accent in real time so how does it work exactly can so, you just describe yeah what it is yeah, i think in a, in a very simplistic way what we've essentially done is uh, we hear we, we call we, we have an input speech and an output speech right the input speech is an accented speech right so this could be people from anywhere in the world with their own accent speaking into the into the model uh, it basically it's a simple desktop app that you uh, install on your desktop and while you're calling in you just change your microphone settings from a default microphone to a sonus microphone uh, and then once you enable it you speak like you speak normally but the person on the other side basically hears this in his or her localized accent right if somebody's calling in from say uh, even within india if somebody's calling in from northern india and if the agent is in southern india uh, the person will hear a north indian accent uh, if they are calling into somebody in the us they hear it in uh, a us accent if they're calling into somebody in canada they hear it in a canadian accent and if they hear somebody in uk it'll basically uh, talk to them in a uk accent so the goal was to localize the accent so that there's no bias that gets induced uh, in speech so it's simple source speech and then in real time it gets converted into a target speech localizing to the uh, end person's accent so you think that's what the outcome or the impact will be that it will reduce bias that is triggered by accented english see again we've had this bias going on for decades together now right uh, call centers have been existing for over 40 years and even today if you ask agents in india and philippines they definitely get uh, abused on a call uh, and they get treated differently because of how they sound uh, and my hope was by bringing out this technology if we can uh, modify the accents in real time and make them make their voice sound more localized uh, people can get on with a problem that they've called to solve for and not have this inherent bias of accent because the person on the other side is trying to solve a problem uh, and that should just be the focus of a conversation and not keep worrying about uh, where are you from why do you sound differently uh, and then and all those conversations that lead from it yeah but it won't necessarily change the root of the harassment that's triggered by hearing an accent or maybe even some of the things you experience like being told to change your name to Nathan and so on do you worry that your technology accommodates or even perpetuates the kinds of things like racism xenophobia at times that drive some of the mistreatment by by basically not making the harassers adapt no but but my point is this our product actually works bidirectional right just like people here cannot understand somebody calling in from india uh somebody from india also many times do not understand uh, uh what what people here speak right uh, i think when you build a bi bidirectional model uh, if for an indian if he can sound uh, if he can hear the speech in his own accent uh, and for an american or for a british or a canadian person if they can hear it in their own accent it just makes communication and understanding a lot more easier right we are just trying to create a more localized world where people can hear their own accents because they'll respond better to it uh than trying to create a different bias through it but you don't think that it also you didn't also develop this technology to deal with the kind of harassment that call center workers with accents get 
You did, so, but, right? Not just to create yeah. these connections between people with like sounding. Yeah. But speech. the core core thesis was that, right? Because all of <laughs> us, like 90% of our company is actually immigrants, right? Uh, all of us have had our own Sana story, uh, the accentism story, if you want to call it as. Uh, and we you all said want... axism? Accentism. 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 Like that's, mm -hmm. that's something mm -hmm. that people didn't know actually exist, but actually it exists in the developing world because people go through those abuse on the phone. Uh, and we wanted to build it for people like us where you no longer have to go through that uh, every single day because the person on the other side will not abuse you. And then now it's been, the system has been live for almost four and a half months now. Uh, and to hear feedback from agents that, hey, I've had 30 abuse-free days, 60 abuse-free days. I can, I'm, I feel more confident in my job. I, I go home a lot more happy. That makes us very happy because that's, that's who we built it for. Right. Yes, does the whole world has to change and be more accommodative of people? I would love for that world, but this has been existent for such a long time. Uh, and if this technology can actually bring relief to people uh, who are actually subjected to it every single day, uh, yeah. I would personally sleep happy at night. You, you've talked about how the technology is a step towards empowering individuals, and I think what you're describing is some of that. But does the employee have the choice to use this honest microphone? Yes. Uh, so the whole hashtag, and that's one thing that we've been very passionately driving is your voice, your choice. Uh, the agent can choose because the control is always with the agent. Uh, we deploy it on an agent's machine, uh, his desktop, his laptop, uh, uh, his mobile phone. They can choose to enable or disable uh, the product. You launched this a year ago. You've described people saying that it's helped them. How many call center firms are using your technology right now? And are you getting a lot of interest from funders and future clients? A lot, a lot. Uh, a lot of people uh, have been reaching out, but we're still a very young company. Uh, the product has been deployed for the last four and a half months. We've been building the product for over two years now. Uh, so today, as of, as of this morning, we have roughly about 1,800 agents across the world, mostly in India and Philippines, who are using the product. Our goal will be to get to about 10,000 people by the end of the year. We are also launching it in phases. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's been incredible reception. And for me, uh, hearing all these agents tell their stories on how they were feeling before Sanus and after Sanus, that almost like uh, makes you feel great about what you've built. Well, let me go to caller Nupur in Sunnyvale. Join us. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Oh, hi. So as a fellow immigrant, as well as a researcher of AI, social justice and technology and so on, um, I just wanted to offer a perspective where I think a lot of American researchers have, you know, as you can imagine, sort of pointed out how this is kind of unfair or that this technology produces, reproduces a certain kind of racial relationship between the global south and the U.S., but I wanted to actually, you know, appreciate and bring up the perspective that the uh, company representative is sharing, because as you said about accentism, we all have these stories of just going to Starbucks to get a coffee and not being able to be understood despite being loud and clear and just kind of giving up and taking the wrong coffee order. Um, what I do think that this technology does or might do is take away the cognitive burden and overload that a lot of these workers in call centers have. 
So I think for Americans, a lot of this is about representation or, you know, like knowing the human behind the technology. But I, I, I could be wrong, but I think for a lot of people like from India, from the Philippines, it's just about getting your day's job done without having to spend extra energy in role playing and, you know, representing yourself in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that to that extent, this technology could be quite useful. Um, although, of course, you know, there's no, I mean, the call center industry has been around for so long. So I do, I don't know how long it's going to take or whether that's even a useful question to say when the attitudes of Americans will change as far as them understanding that they're a part of a global economy. And if that's not going to change, and if they are the primary consumers, you know, the people who have the money and the dollar, then then how do we get around that? Well, Nupur, thank you for sharing the, those points, and they're very well taken. Let me see if I can fit Fernanda in San Jose in quickly. Hi, Fernanda. Hi, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I understand what the caller is saying, and I definitely think about the mental health of those that are working in call centers. But my issue with this um, new technology is the unintended consequences of of this technology that can be used to other things that we right now don't know. And as a, somebody who speaks with an accented speech, uh, I feel that we're deceiving the listener, you know, the person that is receiving the phone call. We're also teaching people um, to be lazy, kind of like to not adapt mm-hmm. their hearing to people who have bad accents, right? Yeah. And we're promoting this uniformity and, and not accepting that there is diversity in the world, in a world that is so um, interconnected. So, Fernanda, thank they, you. Let me, let me just get... Uh... Sherith, on this really fast, we just have 20 seconds, Sherith, but deceiving and not pushing the world to change. No, see, I, I told you, right, I would love for the world to change, but think about 15 million people outside the U.S. who actually do these call center jobs. They go through abuses at least 15 million times a day. This is Forum. Thanks, Sherith. Appreciate it. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Here's what we're talking about tomorrow. Russia has intensified attacks on Ukrainian nuclear infrastructure as part of its campaign to take control of the country after major defeats in the East. We'll talk to journalists who've been reporting deeply from the region about the next phase of the war. And you can join us with your thoughts ahead of the show by leaving them in a voicemail, 415-553-3300, or by emailing forum at kqbd.org. We're talking about new technology that aims to make life easier for call center workers by removing their accents so they sound more 
stereotypically white American. And we're joined by the co-founder of Sonus, a company that has developed a new technology that claims to remove accents from speech. Sherith Kasheva Narayana is the co-founder. And I know you need to leave us soon, Sherith, but I just wanted to keep you on for a few more minutes. Um, If you did want to just say a little bit more about the reaction from one of our listeners about the fact that what it's doing potentially, right, is putting the onus on the call center worker or on technology like yours that you've said before that you wish didn't need to exist at all, as opposed to forcing people to do the work, to adapt, to check their biases, to be better to others, and potentially also being somewhat deceiving. They think that they're talking with somebody who may not be someone who would use an accent in their English. Actually, there are two uh, points of contention here. So one of of the things is every call center that we've deployed the product actually says, like you hear this message, this call is being recorded for quality training compliance purposes. They actually say that they're actually using an accent neutralization software powered by Sanus. Right. So agents uh, like customers know that there is an accent technology in place. And the second thing is 15 million people, Susan, uh, across the world who actually uh, work in these call centers, mostly in India, Philippines and Latin America, uh, they go through abuse every single day. Right. So I would rather work towards eliminating abuses 15 million times a day uh, uh, rather than hope and pray that the world changes and becomes more welcoming. Right. I would love for that to happen. But for now, I went through this incident myself 20 years ago when I worked in a call center. And in 20 years, nothing has changed. Uh, And I would rather build something that could change that. Well, this listener writes, if a company buys the tech, can't it mandate the employee has it enabled? No, they can't. Because again, ours is a patented tech uh, and there's nobody else out there who does the same we do. Uh, So we've basically uh, put in that philosophy that, hey, it has to be your voice, your choice. It has to be agent controlled, and the agent has the ability to turn off and turn on. Noel tweets, did Sonus's founders see the movie Sorry to Bother You by Boots Riley, where the African-American call center employees change their accents to white accents? It's a great, it's great satire. Did you see that? Sorry to bother you. What did you think? Yeah, again, it, obviously, it's a movie. It exaggerates a lot of things. Uh, but it's funny, right? So there's, I keep asking this question. So what do you mean by a white voice, right? So the model that you hear in our on, on our demo, uh, where it uh, it's Vikram who speaks the Indian accent, and then uh, he changes into the so-called different accent or a Western accent. But the Western accent is actually spoken by Brett, who's actually a Japanese Canadian, right? So technically, for me, it's not like a white voice. Uh, it's basically a localized voice, which is more closer to a Canadian from Vancouver. Uh, and and it makes people understand that better. So I, I don't see that as wrong, but 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 I know people's perspectives. Mm. Well, I know you need to leave us, Sherith. Thank you so much for staying on as long as you did. We really appreciate it. No, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot. So let me bring a couple more people onto the conversation. Uh, Joshua Bote is assistant news editor at SFGate. His piece actually inspired today's show. It's titled Sonus, the buzzy Bay Area startup that wants to make the world sound whiter. Joshua, thanks so much for being on with us. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Winifred Poster, director at Labor Tech Research at the Labor Tech Research Network, adjunct faculty in international affairs at Washington University in St. Louis. Winifred Poster, really appreciate having you on as well. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. 
So I've been listening to all the points that Sherith has been making, but I guess for the most part, I still feel kind of sad that harassment from callers in the U.S., regardless of their race, is bad enough to inspire a product like this. There are lots of other reasons that he stated, but that was definitely one of the driving forces based on his own experience. And I guess, Joshua, in reporting this piece, I'm curious what it's like to be a call center worker outside the U.S. serving U.S. customers. Your cousin, I guess, works at a Manila call center. What has her experience been like? Yeah, so, yeah, my cousin's been at the call centers for a long time. I last visited Manila in 2015. She was there. I remember her getting dinner with me and, like, the rest of our family, and she, at one point, just had to exit the dinner a bit early because her shift started at 8 p.m., right? So call center workers have to work these overnight hours, it takes a physical, emotional toll on you. Um, There was a study that 83% of call center workers had in Bangalore had sleep disorders um, compared to 40% of the general population who worked in this like IT industry. So there are just higher rates of, you know, physical and mental illness among call center workers because the labor is so grueling and taxing. Hmm. And what parts of it are the most grueling and taxing for her? Um, You know, just, right, part of it is obviously the harassment, just being yelled at by call center workers, being told that you want to have somebody who's on shore and the, the sadness that comes from that. But there's also, you know, the late nights, the scripts that you have to read. There is just this sense of, lack of control and lack of autonomy over the work. And as much as Sonus bills itself as, you know, your voice, your choice, technology is sort of, you're sort of constricted by technology in all of your labor, right? Like no matter what industry you work in, you have technology that you have to use. And that's, you know, especially applicable in industries where it's customer service oriented, you have to use this technology. So as much as I believe... I want to believe that it is your voice, your choice. I'm not so sure. Yeah, Winifred Poster, you have done extensive research on call center workers. Sheriff suggested that workers would have the ability to turn on and off this uh, or decide whether they could turn on and off this sort of filter uh, that would change their voices. Do you think that's true? Do you think that's likely? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think Joshua brings up a really good point, uh, which is that, you know, at, at face value, the, the worker could have control over, you know, the finger on the button. But what about all the things that precede that? You know, what happens if uh, the call center management is very keen on this and then institutes other kinds of pressures and possibly disciplines for workers who don't do it? So um, I, I can see this being a case where uh, it seems like they have choice, but they may not have uh, entirely uh, all the choice. And also, most of the technology that's used in call centers, uh, workers do not have uh, control over. And much of it happens uh, behind the scenes at, through the algorithms that the uh, management controls uh, and um, the workers literally don't have any control over that. So it, this would be a very unique situation. And mm. yeah, I'd have my reservations about it. 
Well, this is her tweets. Rather than create AI to, quote, sound American, why not simply bring outsourced jobs back to the states? Or is this another example of corporate greed and cheap labor. And of course, listeners, if you want to weigh in, you can post thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, email forum at kqed.org, or call the number 866-733-6786. So Winifred, just give us a quick history lesson, if you could, about American companies outsourcing their call centers, when and why this took off. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the first round really was um, in the early to mid um, 1990s and call centers were first going to Ireland. Uh, but then what happened around the year 2000 is that India became a much more attractive destination uh, because of the Y2K bug. Many US firms wanted to uh, have access to uh, Indian uh, IT labor to help with their computers so that they wouldn't crash from the flip from 1999 to 2000 on their uh, various parts of their computer uh, in the code. So um, fiber optic cables were laid from US to India. Uh, there was also the growth of satellite um, uh, uh, communications and the internet with voice over internet protocol. And so then by the early 2000s, uh, a huge amount of um, back office work from the US was shifted uh, to India. And at one point, 80% uh, of uh, the Forbes 500 uh, companies had some of their back office work shifted to India. Uh, now, um, I think it was around the year 2011 or 2015, um, uh, the uh, global pattern shifted to the Philippines. So now most mm. of the call centers um, or Philippines has a higher number of call centers I see. Uh, than India, but the two are, are hand in hand. India and the Philippines. So do you find in your research or from talking with call center workers that resentment about outsourcing factors into the harassment that call center workers face? Uh, absolutely. Um, oh. the, you know, there are um, a number of factors that go into um, the sort of um, unpleasant feelings that customers have when they talk on the phone to outsource call centers. And Joshua alluded um, to some of these. Um, you know, some of it is um, about the accent. Some of it is about communication. Um, some of it is about the process, the thing that they've called for, right? Like they're angry about that their computer doesn't work or that they couldn't get their ticket that they were trying to get online or whatever. Um, and um, some of it is about the process of outsourcing itself um, and that that jobs have gone um, overseas. And, and then added to that is also whatever political context is happening at that moment. So after 9-11, for instance, um, there was uh, really a heightened uh, tension with calls going to India and South Asia um, and, you know, calling these uh, workers, uh, terrorists, uh, you know, even though they weren't in the region of nine, you know, the participants of 9-11 and such. So, um, uh, yeah, there are many, many sort of compounded factors that go into why uh, customers are upset on the phone. 
Well, Liz writes, I worry that this technology may only make us less tolerant of others due to a lack of exposure to people who sound different from ourselves. As a former customer service rep and a telemarketer, I do wonder how much of the rudeness directed at call center representatives is more related to other issues, wading through a series of tedious voice-assisted menus, being misunderstood by those automated voice response systems, being dropped after 30 minutes of hold time due to inadequate staffing by the corporation, or the irritation of having to require said service to begin with because of poor product design or user error. Scott writes, in the example sound, I could understand both the accented and the modified, but how well does this work on the very thick, almost unintelligible accents? My dislike of call center interactions isn't a race or accent issue. It's that I literally cannot understand the person who will be trying to assist me over the phone. Winifred, I think some of your research has touched on this in that the the corporations, to some degree, do set up these workers for the harassment that they receive. Can you talk about what role you think they play in doing that? Um, so when you say corporations, you mean the ones who are contracting the service from the U.S.? Yes, both the companies that are contracting them and also the way that the call centers themselves are run, too. Right. Um, so, you know... U.S. firms, by sending their uh, their work processes, their customer service overseas, are putting a huge, you know, geographic distance between um, the uh, workforce and the customer, and um, and they're doing it largely, you know, for cost saving purposes, and uh, then they encounter this problem of um uh you know two nationalities talking to each other on the phone and instead of dealing with that directly and trying to find uh you know some uh coping mechanisms for cross-cultural communication uh they then turn to easy strategies for covering up the whole process that they've set up in the first place and the burden of dealing with that tension is then put on to the worker. And I've described this uh, process, this labor process that these outsourced call centers use in India as one of national identity management. So uh, like we've heard earlier, uh, workers are asked to put on an Indian name, a sorry, an American name, and sometimes they're able to choose that themselves, or sometimes it's given to them by their boss, or sometimes it's actually given by the client firm uh, in the US who sends them over a list um, they are required to go through that accent training for grammar, pitch, speed, um, and um, uh, in uh, sort of emotional labor over the phone, how to appease the customer, how to sound polite yourself. Um, they also have to go through conversational training, so in some cases, to sound like uh, they are in the U.S. through the substance of what they're talking about, not just the sound and accent, hmm. but knowing the local news where they're calling, the, the weather, the uh, latest politics, uh, the features of the state. Um, all, all of these things are part of the package. And then in some cases, they are also uh, taught a script of what to say if yeah. when workers um, tell them, ask them where they are. In so, which they, yeah. Yeah, well, so even if for some of our listeners they're saying that the accent or the race is not the issue, certainly 
or feeling like they're talking to someone in a foreign country, certainly this extensive training you're describing is that it is an issue for a, a lot of people. Let me go to Alexander in Richmond. Hi, Alexander. Hello. Nina. Thank you for taking my call. Um, the issues that I wanted to bring up, well, first of all, I think it's a great idea that this is facilitating easier communication across cultures. Um, I've been on customer service many times, and I've had to ask people to repeat things. Um, However, it is, I think the software is in a way forcing uh, people to lie about who they are in order to make things easier for white society in the United Mm -hmm. States. Uh, I think they're catering to white supremacy because that is such a big uh, uh, element in uh, United States culture right now. It is completely against multiculturalism, and it's pretending that the world is not connected, that we live in a bubble. We want to hear American English, and that's that. Well, Alexander, thanks for sharing your thoughts. You know, Joshua, I understand that part of what intrigued you to do this piece was that fact that they were creating some idea of an idealized standard American voice and that you yourself have had to use what you call white voice in journalism. Can you just describe what that means before before our break here? Sure. Um, white voice is this, you know, very filtered, very sort of, how do I describe it? It's a very... It's a very strange form of, well, not strange, but like it's a very standard form of English where you're just, you know, you're, you're speaking proper, right? Like this idea that there's like a right way to speak English, even though America is such a vast and wide country with so many different regionalities and different kinds of enclaves. And, you know, you sort of get used to this idea that there's a standard American English. We hear it all the time on TV, on radio. We get this, fed this idea that there is a, traditional, typical English. And that is something that's been jarring for me throughout my whole time as a journalist. Even now, it's still a bit jarring. Yeah. If we work in the news industry, there's a lot of standards in how we're supposed to speak and write that seem on the face neutral, but often, often are not. We'll be exploring this more right after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You want to make some money here? Then read the script with a white voice. People say I talk with a white voice anyway, so why ain't it helping me out? Well, you don't 
talk white enough. I'm not, I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. That ain't white. It's just proper. Mm. I'm talking about the real deal. Okay, so like. Hello, Mr. Everett. Cassius Green here. Sorry to bother you. I mean, you, you got it wrong. I'm not talking about <laughs> sounding all nasal. It's like sounding like you don't have a care. Got your bills paid. You happy about your future. You about ready to jump in your Ferrari out there after you get off this call. Put some real breath in there. Breezy, like, I don't really need this money. You've never been fired. <laughs> Only laid off. It's not really a white voice. It's what they wish they sounded like. So it's like what they think they're supposed to sound like. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. I didn't catch you at the wrong time, did I? That's a cut from Boots Riley's 2018 film, Sorry to Bother You, where Danny Glover tells Lakeith Stanfield to use his white voice in their jobs as telemarketers. They play characters who are telemarketers. And of course, those white voices were performed by David Cross and Ryan Corsi. And the reason it's relevant is we're talking about new technology that claims to remove accents from the speech of call center workers to sound more like a stereotypically white voice. And while in this case, it's call center workers who are usually fielding calls, say, from people whose technology is not working or their bill is wrong, as opposed to telemarketers, it was a uh, film that was brought up earlier by a listener. Uh, so we thought we would play that for you. Joining us right now is Joshua Bote, assistant news editor at SF Gate, whose piece, Salmis, the Buzzy Bay Area startup that wants to make the world sound whiter, inspired today's show. Winifred Poster is with us, author of Borders in Service, Enactments of Nationhood in Transnational Call Centers. Winifred is director of the Labor Tech Research Center and adjunct faculty in international affairs at Washington University, St. Louis. You, our listeners, are joining us with questions for our guests. If you've worked in a call center and what your experience has been like, what does this make you think about your own interactions with call center workers? And let's add one more element into it. If you've ever had to use a quote-unquote white voice, you can share that too. Email forum at kqed.org or call us 866-733-6786. Well, joining me now is Tom McEnany, Associate Professor of Comparative Literature and of Spanish and Portuguese at UC Berkeley. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, happy to be here. And I understand you welcomed a newborn into your family last night. Oh my God, congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. I can't believe you're with us, but we're really glad you are because I understand you teach a class called Sounding American. So let's focus a little bit about this phenomenon of the white voice and what one of our callers was talking about in terms of this idea that it caters to sort of a white sound. Can you talk about First, how we got here, what has it meant to sound American in the, in the past, and hopefully where it's going? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is this history of bias that's built, first of all, into, into technology. So early radio, um, you know, radio microphones were built for normative male physiology, meaning longer vocal cords. And so when women spoke on, on the radio with uh, traditionally or normatively shorter vocal cords, their voices were higher and their voices were distorted. So right there, that bias already shaped who should be on the radio. And um, broadcasting helps influence what people think of as normal speech, whether that broadcasting is uh, you know, via radio or via television or now uh, via social media. So um, you know, that connects to 
to these ongoing stories of bias in technology, but part of the connection to what we think of as a white voice uh, that's also connected to this notion of sounding American is that linguists talk about general American English as the sound of unaccented speech in the United States. And that's a sound of speech that comes from the what they call the North Midland region, which is Missouri, Southern South Dakota, Central Illinois. It just so happens that Walter Cronkite is from that area. Uh, T- Tom Brokaw is from that area, and so those. And it's also demographically the 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 widest region of the United States. And so this notion of sounding American as connected to a particular racial identity connects with a history of technology and a history of media to make us assume that these speech patterns sound normal and define a general sense of whether you're American or not. Um, It's been so powerful, I mean, so that people of color, myself included, you, you try to speak in a certain voice to gain to gain entry, <laughs> to gain access, to not be excluded or defined uh, by dominant cultures, which therein lies the problem. But I wonder if in your class right now, some of these norms are changing, hopefully? Uh, norms are changing all the time. So you know, there was a 2018 commercial that was for Google where uh, Kevin Durant, they were teaching people to say, hey, Google, uh, to make the voice assistant work. And Kevin Durant was on it and he was saying, yo, Google. And they laughed about it and they said, oh, you know, this is, um, you know, Kevin, we can't change the whole algorithm for you. And in fact, it came out a couple of years later that not just Google, but Siri and Alexa, et cetera, were really bad at understanding um, African-American vernacular English, uh, anything that departed from standard American English. And so, you know, that's the technology not keeping up with different mm. ways of, of speaking. And in class, you know, this week, for instance, we're talking about gender and sexuality. We're talking about vocal fry and how important vocal fry is for a younger generation of speakers, especially fe- female speakers. But older generations of speakers, uh, including the uh, broadcast NPR broadcaster Bob Garfield would complain about this form of speech and say women shouldn't be speaking that way. So language is dynamic; it changes all the time, and you need to keep up with those changes rather than trying to reinforce an old norm that's going to demand people fit into something that doesn't sound like like them. Well, we have a couple of comments here. Gail writes, for example, I think this is a complicated issue, but I do see one real practical advantage to this technology. My mother is very hard of hearing, which makes it hard for her to understand anyone with an accent. So she is generally unable to resolve her concerns when dealing with anyone with an accent at a call center. This technology would solve that problem for her. At the same time, we also get a listener who tweets, the fact that we see accented speech from the global south is not desirable, is pure and simple colonialism, because you won't see anyone complaining about UK English, French, or German accents. We need to train ourselves to listen to accented speech because the U.S. accent is in the minority. And Jennifer writes, how is this going to help racist Americans get past their biases if we keep placating to them? Companies should find ways to step in to mitigate abusive callers. Call center employees should be allowed to disconnect or transfer callers to supervisors if they're being mistreated by them. So I guess, do you worry that this tech will have a negative impact, Tom McEnany, given what you have been teaching and researching related to sounding American and the white voice? Absolutely. I mean, I agree with your callers who, you know, are afraid of the uniformity it could produce, uh, the fact that it's really, um, as Winifred pointed out, it's covering up the whole process of global racial capitalism, to use jargon. So, you know, it's covering up the process that 
uh, you know, companies in the United States are hiring, you know, underpaid workers in other countries, um, underpaid workers who tend to be people of color, uh, precisely so that they can make more money. And I think that it's cynical to say that, um, as the f founder of Sana said, that, you know, the hopes and praise that the world changes, but rather than developing tech that might change the world, developing tech to, to make a buck off of reinforcing social norms. And once you make a certain voice, uh, you know, normative like this and part of the technology, then people f feel like they have to use it. And then everyone has to change their voices so that they sound like that, that norm. And so that's just reinforcing bias. It's reinforcing prejudice. Maybe even as one caller said, it's reinforcing white supremacy. And I don't think that's what the aim of, of tech should be. Well, let me go to caller Sarah in Oakland. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Um, I am just super surprised that more people aren't concerned with the abuse individual call center workers need to have to take. And this is like a tool mm. that will uh, mitigate some of that abuse. And then, you know, certainly other forces need to be working on the larger problem. But I think about call center workers taking one, you know, one call after another being told horrible things. And I, I just, people are dismissing this so easily, I feel like. Winifred, let me go to you on that, because the point has been made that in some ways, by, you've talked about the distance between um, the, the, the people who are calling with the call centers that they are calling into. But I think there is also something that Sarah's call is making me think about, which has been concerns about already people on the phone are somewhat dehumanized. Sarah is reacting to a lack of concern, it feels like, or outrage over the way call center workers are being treated. What do you think about that? And do you think uh, an added sort of filter <laughs> like this accent minimizer, I guess for lack of a better word, will further that um, sense of distance and potential dehumanizing impact? Absolutely. I mean, so many things really concern me about this technology. I, I'm, one being that um, it really uh, solidifies what are, um, you know, a, a new type of um, uh, sort of exploitation of uh, what were former colonial relations are now neo-colonial relations. So a lot of these call centers are going to um, uh, countries that used to be um, a colony. Uh, so, uh, you know, Spanish call clients are uh, taking call centers in uh, Latin America and, and France, uh, French corporations are going to parts of Africa that are French speaking that were former colonies. Um, and so um, it's it really reifying um, these tensions in uh, in a new kind of way um, on a geopolitical level, but also um, uh, in terms of the technology, so it sort of solidifies not only bias but deception. Uh, so that you know, there's so many times where now consumers are um, not sure of who they are talking to on the phone, um, and you know whether they are talking to an AI or a robot um, or a chatbot, and um, uh, this you know sort of exacerbates that problem as well as imagine a scenario 
where, you know, right now the call center workers voice is being changed, but what would happen if also the customer's voice in the future would also be changed? Because that was sort of alluded to in uh, mm -hmm. Shara's um, discussion by saying that the workers can't understand the customer. So what if they applied it to the customer's voice as well? And then you have two, you know, deceptive, you know, non-authentic, whatever, voices talking to one another. I mean, the whole scenario just seems very surreal to me and problematic. Well, thank you for laying that out for us. And uh, I want to remind listeners that Winifred Poster is the director of labor tech of the Labor Tech Research Network and adjunct faculty in international affairs at Washington University. We're joined by Joshua Bote, assistant news editor at SFGate, and Tom McEnany, associate professor of comparative literature in Spanish and Portuguese at UC Berkeley. Earlier, we were joined by Sherith Kasheva Narayana, co-founder and chief operating officer at Sonus. This is a fundraising period for many public radio stations, and you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. So let me read some more comments from our listeners. This listener tweets, as a senior, I think this is a great idea. The phone distorts sound anyway, and then adding a heavyish accent makes such calls difficult to navigate. I don't give any call center workers any difficulties. I just hang up and call again and hope for someone with a more approachable accent. Carl tweets, as a mixed-race American, I can understand both sides. Often people judge you by your accent. However, when calling in, many people are dealing with a problem outside of their comfort level. If they are anxious and frustrated because the call, before the call, poor communication doesn't help. And Viola writes, I used to work with an organic scientist 20 years ago who interviewed for his position at UCSF in the 70s. He interviewed by phone and only had a, quote, white voice. When he arrived, he told me he could see the shock in his new colleagues and PI's face when they realized they had hired a black guy. So guests, I, I guess I just want to ask you what you feel like needs to be done. Clearly, some people are seeing the value in this, but there are some significant downsides or issues and problems in society that this perpetuates. So Joshua Bote, for example, what do people who are developing the AI need to think about when they are coming up with these voices or these end product voices for people with accents? Right. And, I, and that's a great question. I think so much of technology is predicated on this idea that, you know, it's going to be a net good no matter what. Like people come in and sort of parachute in and present these ideas as groundbreaking into the world without sort of acknowledging the realities of call center workers. And I know that um, Shareth was at work at a call center, but the there is sort of this idea that, you know, bias doesn't exist in AI research and technology research in general. And I think that so often the, the philosophy of, you know, move fast, break things, and then we'll go from there is feels like it needs to change, especially in AI where, you know, Racism and bias is so rampant in, you know, in different kinds of AI, like not just voice AI, but, you know, like photo AI. Like, I think there just needs to be this understanding, this like deep, deep thought that there is bias in this world and that AI does reify bias mm. that is already pre-existing in our society. And Winifred, for you, just what is the biggest meaningful change you think could could happen for call center workers or that should happen? 
Yeah, I think the emphasis on, you know, trying to use technology as a quick fix really should be reconsidered. And in my experience, you know, I've sat in call centers in India, um, listening to the conversations. There are many conversations, as one of your callers, you know, alluded to, that are actually really respectful and um, inquisitive and supportive um, across cultures. And I think if the same amount of resources were put into researching those contexts and those conversations and how to make more of those kinds of conversations from human beings versus all of this technology, we, we could get a lot further. And Tom McEnany, broadly, socially, what do we need to do so that we aren't placing superiority on certain ways of, quote, sounding American or the work that that we as a culture need to do in terms of our expectations for who we speak with and how we relate to them? I think that we need to to speak to more people and reflect on the way that we listen and the, reflect on the way that, that bias is built into our own listening. And um, as both Joshua and Winifred have said, I don't think that, that tech or the money that's invested in tech to solve a problem, which is really a problem for uh, the call center corporations and not for the, the call center workers themselves, I think, um, you know, we should shift that that money and shift that that research. It shouldn't go to make money reinforcing social norms. It should be money that's addressed to to challenging them and giving people more opportunities to, um, you know, to expand the notion of what, for instance, sounding American is. If you just listen to people walking down the street, there are a lot of voices out there. There's nothing close to the the voice even of uh, you know Boots Riley's wonderful parody of what what white voice is. Well, Tom McEnany, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And welcome to the world, your your little girl. Tom McEnany is Associate Professor of Comparative Literature and of Spanish and Portuguese at UC Berkeley. Joshua Bote, thank you as well. Assistant News Editor at SFGate. Check out his piece, Sonus, the Buzzy Bay Area Startup that Wants to Make the World Sound Whiter. Winifred Poster, really glad to have you on too. Author of Borders and Service, Enactments of Nationhood in Transnational Call Centers. Director of the Labor Tech Research Network and faculty at Washington University in St. Louis. Thank you, listeners, for, as always, for sharing your thoughts, insights, and experiences. Thank you, Caroline Smith, for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, The smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. 
Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.